Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hampler from What Culture's Review. Everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a really good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet Sidgwick, enjoying a well-earned week off this week. Actually, a few weeks off, to be honest, but we've had time. Says the man is about to have a month off, by the way, when this bloody kid arrives. You're not going to be off, pal. Um, <laughs> but what did you make of this show that was, in my opinion, all over the bloody place, Michael Hamlet? Uh I don't know what to think anymore, and uh, if I rely on people to tell me what to think, it's that I'm a stupid idiot. <laughs> uh, I didn't like last week's Dynamite, and I was definitely against consensus there. Yeah. I didn't love this week's one, but I liked it more than last week's, so I'm probably going to be against consensus there, because I didn't sense much buzz this morning. I like I was doing ups and downs to the website, which you can check at whatculture.com forward slash WWE, and I don't really like to... Go too much onto Twitter before I've done that because you want to have yeah. your own th- get your own thoughts yeah, out. Yeah. That. But you know it's that muscle memory thing. And you have a quick look, and truthfully, that's the point. Like I did that muscle memory. Oh God, I'm on Twitter, and it's like, oh, well, I'm here now. And there wasn't really much in the way of conversation. No, save for a couple of things, which we'll kind of get to as and when they come up on the show. But I there was no, I didn't get the vibe of a, a big buzz coming out of this show. I will say. My probably my longest and loudest criticism from last week's dynamite continues to be answered, and I want to just touch on that now because it was a broader point about where I thought this dynamite succeeded. This, I had two separate complaints about the all in card or lack thereof seven days ago, right? Uh-huh. One was the lack of actual matches, but two was the lack of like obvious directions for matches. Mm. I think there was a problem with both. I feel like in the last seven days, both of those problems have been addressed, and I'm happy and impressed with that. Equally, I think it's important that it's still okay to have been complaining seven days ago. Yeah. I think both are valid. We're now 17 days away. Like, last week, we were only 24 days away. Mm. That was still, like, too soon to not have anything on the card. 17 days? That's where we are now, 17 days. And to, to sort of further on to my next point, to back on to my next point, this feels like, and again, when you talk about feelings, you know, we're often told... Like that, you know, everything's subjective and, you know, 
and that's why we talk about it. Like, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's fun to have like subjective opinions and it's fun to agree and disagree and have conversations. And that's why podcasts are successful as a medium. It's stupid to rule out subjectivity as a pointless and futile exercise. Good point. And I, th- I think the podcast you'd probably listen to the most if you're a, you know, a fan of, of wrestling here in the UK, you just type in UK podcast chart wrestling. Let's have a quick look on chartable. And uh, probably whoever's top of that, you'd probably take their word the most. 100%, yeah. Oh. Oh. Especially compared to the other things in that list, I'd consider that um, probably, I don't know. The, uh, probably, some might say, if you were you know an influential person, like, I don't know, the world champion in AEW, you'd probably say the podcast that was top of the uh, uh, Apple podcast charts oh, yeah. uh, in Great Britain in wrestling yeah. was probably the... One of the only professional wrestling podcasts that's actually worth a f- in spite of our efforts to set that bit up. <laughs> I, what I was going to say was, and this is the most subjective thing I'll say in this entire podcast where I will give opinions on a wrestling show for the fat end of an hour. I still don't think that the feeling and the buzz of potentially, fact, the biggest paid wrestling show ever, uh-huh. ever, I still don't think it's there. I still don't think I'm watching a show. It's, I cannot wrap my head around it. It'll be such a paradox. If you count all in and all out as a seven-day stretch, nearly 100,000 people will pay to watch the show over two weeks. Easy, yeah. In 2024 or late 2020, whenever, really soon, based on what we've been told, AW will enter the WWE conversation in terms of money paid for its television outlets, mm-hmm. right? That's 2023 as AEW's best year ever. Black and white. Like, every single objective. I know Dynamite has been like a sort of, the graph has pointed downwards every passing year, but look at the money it's making. Look at these shows. Like, how are we in that while simultaneously watching, like, yet another week of AEW Dynamite? Like, (laughs) and again, this is where, like, subjectivity comes into it. Is it just me? Like, I like, like, I'm getting good feelings about the card coming together. I'm going to compliment something that was almost nothing and yet was maybe to me the most fascinating element of this entire dynamite later on. And yet, it isn't half just like trundling. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, we're just ambling along. There's like, again, opinions and whatnot. I feel like there's an energy to collision. Yeah. But I just feel like we're going through the motions. There was a match on this show that. Phil Chambers, probably the nicest guy at What Culture, like a guy that will have all sorts of cool opinions on wrestling, but like won't feel as mouthy as the rest of us to fire in and off of them all the time. Just like, just out yesterday, just happened to like drop into a conversation. He must have been like doing some graphics or getting something ready for Miller's ups and downs or whatever. Just say, oh, is it BCC and Lucha Brothers? I was like, yeah. He says, have we not seen that match like a hundred times? And I was like, do you know what, Phil? I don't have the stats on you, but it certainly feels that yeah. way. And WWE criticisms are often that, oh, if we're not seeing like 12 versions of this, is it not that like, I use the Judgment Day tag team match comparison. Yeah. I am, I love the Judgment Day. I've loved more of these Raw main events than I've not liked, but they're kind of leaning on it. And it's like, yeah, that does feel like a match I've seen a hundred times. The gentle criticism of that is, AEW is a victim of its own success because four years ago, 200 episodes of Dynamite ago, you'd be going, what is John Moxley going to do with Penta? Yeah. What is... WWE Cesaro going to do in a company that finally appreciates his like immense talent. A prodigy from the Indies, Wheelie Uter is being given this much profile. These used to be the things that jazzed you up, that got you fired up. And yes, we are a little bit spoiled that four years later, these just don't do it for me anymore. But 
Sorry, they just don't do it for me anymore. Yeah, there was bits I liked. There was a particular moment I really enjoyed at the end of that match. But I did get the sensation of, I'm looking at the clock, and it's the old Cedric Anxiety thing of, like, got a Women's World Talk match to come still, and we've got the Mogul Embassy to come out. I'm like, and what was it that came before it? Cole and MJF, right? Mm. And I was like, great, let's get to, it's going to be weird, but another talky segment with the Mogul Embassy. And then you start seeing BCC make their entrance, and you're like, oh, God, I've got to get this out of the way, which is not how I should feel about that sort of match. Yeah, it's, it's and you're right to highlight the entrance specifically, because, again, like I, I cannot stress this enough, and Sidgwick uses February 2020, and I like summer 2021. We've all got our favourite periods. On its day, like there are elements of this company that honestly make you feel like your blood's running the opposite way around in your body. Like your <laughs> yeah. veins are popping up that much. And Wild Thing used to be one of them. Like that would often be the start of a dynamite or the top of the hour or even a main event. Any point in a dynamite when things were as hot as they were and that, that would hit. And I would just... Like, I'm surprised I watched all them dynamite because I wanted to punch my screen in excitement. <laughs> I want it to be one of them, like, viral people throwing a tantrum watching the Super Bowl moments every time John Moxley walked out. Like, screaming, waking the kids up, cereal flying everywhere in the middle <laughs> of the night. And I was exactly the same as you. I was like, oh, yeah, we got to get Mild thing. Tell me. <laughs> very good. Tell me this, right? Why, John Moxley with yet more poetry on this dynamite, why, if eagles don't hunt flies, are they seemingly obsessed with circling piles of shit? Because creatively, that's all I'm seeing from the BCC and acts like them on these shows. Yeah. Let's get into it. Because you called the start of this show. Mm. It was the JS's mandatory meeting and uh, the show opened and they're all in the ring. I thought, good, well, at least they're getting on with this. Yeah. But no, of course, Chris Jericho had to make an entrance. Yeah. Which I suppose is kind of in keeping with this, except for when he tried to be like, thanks, guys. You're already out and I have to bloody make an entrance. Don't act like you didn't want this to happen, Chris. I that's never once bothered him in four years. Oh, for God's sake, I've got to make my full entrance with the crowd singing Judas. Go on, man. <laughs> he starts cutting a promo to Jericho. He wants to come out here as their friend. They've all had problems, and Garcia just cuts him off. Stop talking. Just listen, says beautiful Daniel Garcia. I love the <laughs> fact he's grown his hair out a little bit now. Yeah. Um... He thought he was ready to have a civil conversation until he saw Jericho's face. He took advantage of him last week, did Chris, uh, and yet he sacrificed so much for Chris Jericho. He turned his back on friends, his heroes. He did everything for Jericho. He chose Jericho every time, so why does Jericho never choose them? Because Jericho is not choosing him, Garcia can't do this anymore. He dances and thrusts at him and leaves. He's not the only one. Hmm. Jake Hager says, I'm not surprised, motherfucker. Uh, he doesn't, sorry, that was Nate Diaz, of course. Uh, he's known Garcia longer than any of them. Uh, they've made a lot of money together. Hang on. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? I love that that line, when people say that, it's implied that like they made the same money the same way. Yeah. Not that there's like a, like there's more of an underboss relationship than Tony Dean stacks between these <laughs> two. A quick thing, by the way. Uh, who was it who made that awesome... Oh, this was great. Yes. Series of images. I want to give him a proper shout because so often we see it. Brian, at Brian Wedge 88 right, made this compilation of photos with my head and Stax's head over uh, Adam Cole and MJF. Right, and I was popping about this. Oh, there were heads time. on bodies, oh. Well, either that or um, uh, 
what they called personal, not personal investigators. What they called? Oh yeah, private investigators. Private investigators. Yeah. Thank you. With the telephoto lens. They'd, yeah, they'd secretly take photos of me and Stacks now hanging out because we're best mates. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I showed it to Anne Louise, and she went, "Is Stacks a real person?" <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, yes, he's a wrestler in NXT. She's just said, oh, I just thought he was one of your weird characters. Why do people think that about Stax? Unbelievable. I can't believe your wife of all people is joining this. A really strange conspiracy theory that you and Stax are the same person. See, if you'd have made it to your birthday as planned, yeah. she'd have finally seen the both of you together. Anyway. Like we know. do every week. Enough about silly voices and... Malev! Uh, Jake Hager <laughs> says he's got to cut ties. Uh... Someone did a my wife at a wedding I was at last year. Oh, God. I was like, Borat thing, is it? 2022? Okay. As long as it wasn't the best man, I suppose. Uh, he, uh, he says, uh, everyone knows that we have got a lot of options. And I was like, you sure about that? <laughs> uh, Hager liked his hat. Past tense. Uh. He doesn't appreciate Jericho. He leaves. Jericho says, look, before this gets out of control, everyone's got to agree your careers are bigger and better since the JAS. Uh, I mean, Anna's got a championship match. Tay's a bigger star than ever. I'm very proud of all this. And Tay's like, I used to be proud to be in this group, but not anymore. Right now, I feel sick. And it's not the bloody baby. Well. Uh, if you can't make a decision, then I will. I'm going to go off, have this baby, come next year, come back next year, become a champion without you, Jericho, or your damn help. I quit. She storms off. Anna Jay says, look, Jericho, you've all helped us out a little bit, but... You've helped yourself out more than any of us. Tonight, I'm being selfish. Uh, I've learned from the best. I'm going to win the title. It's not about appreciating Jericho. The numbers are dwindling now. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool Hand Ange and Daddy Magic and, of course, Sammy Guevara are there. Angelo Parker says, everyone settle down. God, I don't want to be doing this right now. I love being a sports entertainer. Um, when Jericho asked me to join the JAS, I took it as a badge of honor. I gave Jericho my identity, my blood. I hung upside down, bleeding out uh, in a fight that Jericho picked. Uh, I've given Jericho everything, but what has Jericho given me? I've got nothing left to give. I've got nothing left. (laughs) He leaves. Daddy Magic says, Chris, you were my childhood hero. When I was 15, with my first paycheck from my first job, I bought a Chris Jericho T-shirt. When my wife was eight months pregnant and I had no job, Jericho, you heard my story. You invited me into your home. You brought me to AEW and you took me under your wing. The last 18 months have been nothing but a dream for me, says Daddy Magic. But it's never sat right with me that the guys I came up with, the Eddie Kingston's, the Kevin Steens, they hate your guts. And now I understand why, and he leaves, and it's just Jericho and Guevara left. And Jericho turns to Sammy and says, all right, are you going to walk up? And then Sammy Guevara smashes the mic out of his hand and tells him to shut up and listen. I went from challenging for the world title to fighting another one of your battles, Chris. I put things on a table, not because I wanted to, but because I'm loyal. Deep down, I did all this because I thought you'd do it for us as well. You've got a lot to work on, says Sammy, Chris. And if you do, when you do, maybe I'll still be there. And he leaves through the crowd. Jericho ends the segment alone with no one to plead his case to. What do you make of all this? Uh, it had its ups and downs, this. So it was... I'll be positive because I think the negative is slightly more like confusing and conflicted. Everyone's delivery was really good. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth isolating all the individual promos for praise not all of them get to speak all of the time and certainly not all of them get to do the live mic in a big segment stuff 
And I thought everybody nailed the marks in that respect. Like, it felt convincing enough um, individually from each person. I thought they nailed the... And these things shouldn't be overlooked. I thought they nailed the order of everybody. Yeah. And the growing importance and the fact that, like... Say, for example, the Daniel Gar... Like, Daniel Garcia dancing off in anger. Like, hate dancing his way out of the <laughs> ring. There was the right balance of levity because it was the first person to do it. Like, if he's, like, the last guy in, like, the Sammy Guevara spot, you've knackered it, haven't you? Yeah. Like, so I thought they really thought that through and I was quite Im- impressed with that. And I also liked, when I was watching, because... I did think this would open the show, but I was concerned about just how laborious it would feel. Yeah. I kind of think they got to the point, and I, I didn't hate that either, so I, I didn't mind the arrangement of it all. And I really liked that all of this, and you forget with Jericho, because it is so easy to get lost in the fact rather than the fiction. You kind of forget the stories, and if all you're obsessed with is one day Jericho arrives at TV and goes, I fancy Osprey at Wembley. And it's like, all right, yeah. we just... Like, pull the tablecloth away, all the stuff goes everywhere, and it's like, we've got to figure out how to get a Jericho Osprey. You forget sometimes that, like, there are also real, like, there's real storyline process yeah. taking place as well. And before all of that, there was this leaning on Guevara and Jericho's relationship. And then you were kind of instructed to look away from that for a bit, and then you were brought right back to it here. Sammy Guevara was in his inner circle jacket yeah. from uh, Stadium Stampede 2. Like, I think that was when they wore them, but... So he was in all that. He was reminding everybody and Jericho himself that he was this original. And I quite like that they found their way back to that, having seemingly slept on it while we were all just told, no, no, it's Jericho Callis now, shut up. Yeah. That, that never happened. I, I quite like that that was picked back up or indeed never forgotten. So those are the positives because I think it would be unfair just to rag on it. My issues are, in a like a bigger picture sense, this was either, right, the Jericho Appreciation Society fading out the Jericho Appreciation Society fading away, or the Jericho Appreciation Society faking it, and it's one big ruse. And did anybody really care about any of those three? I was about three? to say, I didn't feel anything. None of it, right? Not one of those three, right? Oh, God, the Jericho Appreciation Society falling apart. Not bothered. Oh, God, this stable are really like what they once were, and now they're nothing. Not bothered. Oh, maybe this is going to set up Don Callis next week when it turns out they're all still with him. Also not bothered. Like that's the and like the crowd just simply were not like this. For all I'm cra- praising the graduating quality of the promos, the heat wasn't rising. No, it wasn't intensifying. No. There's, a li- there's a lot of inbuilt. Not Sammy. Yeah, so. there's a lot of inbuilt credit in the bank with Sammy and Jericho, and they got a little something. And because of course it does, the hat got a pop. Like the mention of the hat got a pop. <sighs> but like that's all fluff stuff compared to the, what they're trying to do here. And I just. I the, the heat wasn't there to match, and it just it was this stark reminder of there's no outcome here. So in contrast, we're going to get to Jeff Adam Cole, and I, I'm sorry for rambling and shooting all over the place. In contrast to that, where there are about 40 million questions, and you're just begging for one answer. Yeah, yeah. This was asking a bunch of ones you simply don't care for the solu- like the conclusion to, and I don't know how you address that. Just do the. Can we do the follow up bit just to pick up on something else as well? Because Renee Packer, yeah, yeah, saying you know Jared, JS have just crumbled. What's going on? Yeah, um, but Don Callis immediately appears, apologises if he caused anything that's just happened. And Jericho's sort of full on. He says, "Well, I've got your answer. Uh, I'll tell you next week." And Callis says, "I'll take care of everything. Set it all up." Right. So Don Callis is not stupid. If anything, he's so hyper intelligent that he can make all of this these terrible things happen to people. Right. Yeah. But now. Because it's wrestling, we have to be okay with his potential stupidity and Jericho giving him a week. Like, if all of that has just happened, logically, Jericho, if Jericho really is a, I've got nothing left, other than Sammy Guevara's, like, emotions hanging on a string. Yeah. 
why wait till next week? Don, look, that's my answer. Yes, I mean, like, so what else have I got? Yeah, I right. So that's why you're left to believe it's a ruse. So what are the options here? Jericho's either set him up, set him up, and he's like, and it's very Chris Jericho, by the way, to be like, Don Callis is cleverer than everybody except me. <laughs> We're kind of the last guys not to be fooled by Don Callis. <laughs> um, so very Jericho, if that's the case, and it's one big swerve, and the JAS are more united than ever, and they had to pull off this plan to fool Don Callis. Right, fine, bit wet. But that baby faces Jericho and Callis is like, right, I'm getting Will Ospreay and he's going to kick your ass all in for this. I will not be embarrassed. You know, like the, you, you're you going to regret not joining my family and here's what you could have won. And it's oh, Will Ospreay and there's the match, right? Or uh, Jericho really has lost everything, given up everything. And then Callis is like, when I said I was setting up everything. It wasn't for you to join the family. Look yeah. at you, you washed-up loser. Yeah. I was setting up Will Ospreay to come and kick your ass. And then Jericho's the sympathetic baby face, and he's like, he's cashed out everything to join Don Callis, and Don Callis has screwed him because he's like yet another old cart horse like Callis believes Kenny Omega to be. And that's the story. And again, there's just not enough emotion behind the J. Like, you're not going, oh, no, Jericho, you, you gave up your friend. Like, yeah. nobody's, nobody's thinking that. Nobody no. cares, right? Some people will. I'm doing that thing. No, but I think a thing, it doesn't mean that people won't. But I yeah. just, in the building, you didn't sense that, like, no, Chris. <laughs> or, at this point, it's feeling like the worst case scenario, Jericho actually turns heel and joins, right? Now, on television, that's kind of stupid because you've made him a pitiable figure here. Yeah. A sympathetic character who's suddenly going to be a villain. Yeah, I'm glad they've gone. Losers. And then it's like, right, well, the heel babyface dynamic is right for Wembley. Osprey gets to be the babyface. But isn't Osprey with Callis? Yeah. It's all over the shop, honestly. Like, and I just, I think the, it's again, like the reality has stepped in to kind of replace the fiction. Chris Jericho, and I'm going to say this, Chris Jericho wanted Will Osprey at All In. Yes. Maybe Osprey cannot wait to have Chris Jericho, and I would understand that too. Mm-hmm. And the three of them with Callis included, terrific. Like, but a for the wrestlers thing happened, and they've tried to wrap a story around that rather than this being for the audience. Yeah. And if it was for the audience, you would hear it in the crowd. I completely and I think, agree. And I think there was a match next that was also for the wrestlers, because you didn't know that. But I know that sounds scattershot, and again, I welcome chat on this. I love the crack on Twitter of yeah. these kind of stories, because if like you have got this like deep-rooted, passionate investment in the story, or in Jericho Osprey, more power to you, and I want to have these conversations. But the fiction felt disconnected from the fact to me. Here. Yeah. Yeah, it was a disjointed start to dynamite for me yeah bits later on that I was completely invested in but this not so much and again it was a means to an end the match that came next yeah. and also it made me angry afterwards which you don't be smarter afterwards and say well should have done that instead mm. but 12 minutes or whatever it was for the main event with like two commercial breaks i think maybe in there and what and like what a significant problem that created we'll yeah. get to that right this match didn't need to go as long as it did no but anyway, it's the Young Bucks versus the Hardys. Uh, the Hardys take control early and then do a weird sort of... There was a pull, there was sit-out powerbomb and then there was like a double-team cover mm-hmm. and Rick Knox was just like, that's fine. Yeah. I was like, oh, is it? Uh, that's, yeah. Confusing. Nick breaks that up. He gets uh, the tag, runs wild, moonsault to the floor, hits Matt Hardy with risky business. Uh, Matt fakes out a dive and Nick hits that twisting plancher on both Hardys to take us to a break. When we come back... Jeff's just about to make the tag, uh, but Matt Jackson pulls his leg out and they isolate Matt Hardy, uh, but a double clothesline resets everything. Both Matt's slug it out. 
Jackson gets hit. Matt Jackson, that is. Gets hit with a side effect. Nick and Jeff come in. Um, Jeff hits uh, a snap drop kick. Uh, fights off both books. Hits a whisper in the wind on both of them. But they avoid a double twist of fate. Hits super kicks. Uh, the Hardys manage to avoid the Meltzer driver. They hit uh, dueling twists of fate. Uh, Jeff hits that amazing swanton bomb where he just goes, I'm too old for this. You're taking all of it. <laughs> Uh, he hits that on Nick Jackson. Matt Jackson manages to break that up, though. He super kicks the leg out of Jeff Hardy's leg, um, who was going for another whisper in the wind. I like that spot. Uh, Matt Jackson backslides Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy rolls through, and they go, oh, perfect position. BTE trigger. Wham. One, two, three. Post-match, there's respect showed to the Hardys, and the books get the mics. They look like they're about to answer FTR's challenge. When here come the AEW Tag Team Champions, there's a stare down. And all Nick says is all in. The match is official. The rematch, the rubber match for the tag team titles. The Young Bucks versus FTR. I can't wait for that, to be fair. Uh, same. Ditto. I'll get the morning out of the way because, of course, I want to get excited about that. <laughs> right. I know that we sounded miserable because we opened the preview yesterday with discussion of this match and how little either of us really wanted it. Yeah. Um, and just to sort of provide a bit more balance on that, I feel like this match was evidence of why we didn't want this match. I think Excalibur said on commentary that the Young Bucks had wrestled something like three times as a tag team in 2023 or this year or in the last 12 yeah. months, whatever it was. A stat along those lines anyway. And it feels like that. It feels like where have the Young Bucks gone? Yeah. Trios, multi-man matches, you know. It, it, oh, like hearing the music. It's like, oh, God, this. Yeah. Like, I made no secret of the fact that, like, the Kansas song really gets on my tits. And if there's one thing more annoying than that, it's when people sing their own entrance theme. So I was glad to, like, <laughs> see... That, like, what I wanted more than anything was what I got, which is, like, Matt Jackson going, the elite, the, the elite, yeah. instead of miming the lyrics to Wayward Son or whatever the frig that awful song is, <laughs> right? Um, Yacht Rock ain't my shit, Sidgwick's. Like, we're just, we're <laughs> as far apart on that as it gets. And, uh, I, like... I was really glad to have the Young Bucks back, as I am at Wembley, Christ almighty, but we'll get to that. This was, so this was boring, right? This was the Young Bucks wrestling on, you know, you'll do this. You know, like, you might put your show when you're watching in the morning, depending on how early it is. I'm like, I like it on 1.5. Yeah. Two's, two's raw. Like, (laughs) 1.5 for Dynamite if I've gotten up a little bit later or whatever. And uh, this was... The Young Bucks drop into 0.5. Yeah. This was 0.5 Young Bucks to ensure that the Hardys didn't look washed, to ensure that this was not the double or nothing 2022 calamity, yeah. which I'd like, as we would later find out, had other things working against yeah. it. But like, they didn't want that again. And we didn't get that again. But why should we have this again in the first place? We had this for the wrestlers. Like, Matt and, Matt and Nick love Matt and Jeff. So that's why we had this. Yeah. Right? Fine. Nice. Kind. Like, I saw Swerve Strickland making a point on um, the podcast he does. Mm-hmm. And I think the elite were guests. And I was like, I'm going to magnify that. I'm going to magnify the worth struggling. But like, I'm going to, I want to repeat that because I probably sound too harsh on the young books sometimes because they're not my faves. But like, he's going like, you created hundreds of jobs. Like even the guys yeah. in AEW existing created hundreds of jobs and they did. And that's class. And don't also get to complain about the fact there's no wrestlers union though. I don't disagree on that one. See that story today? No. What's that? One of the young books was like, oh, shame there's no wrestlers union. Well, you could have made it if you Make did. one. Yeah. Yeah, Health, healthcare, yeah. full-time wages. You've got them. Like, no, no, but no, I'm not going to like turn that. Yeah, sorry, I've criticism. got you off topic. But yeah. no, no, no. But like, nonetheless, loads of jobs. Like, it's I, sh- I should probably take more time to thank the young bucks 
for their vital role in creating all of this. Yeah. And part of that is making compromises like this. I hope that balances how little I was invested yesterday in the preview for this match because I'm about to tell you how little I was invested in this match. It was boring. It was really boring. And for three Young Bucks tag <laughs> matches this year, why are we wasting our f***ing time on boring <laughs> matches? Yeah. It's the Young Bucks... I feel like I've shown enough contrition for the things I said yesterday. So now I'm going to pat myself on the back. Don't use a boring match to build a dream one. You should have watched the Young Bucks have a flame emoji, flipping, like, speedball effort right out of 2019 before you say, we're still the best in the world. Right? Lucha Bros. FTR had a mini banger with Big Bill and Brian Cage, right? Totally different to the match they had the week before and the week before that. But like, Christ, FTR are the best. And while they're, while you're thinking, God, they're the best, they say, you know what, we don't think we're the best because we need to de- definitively beat the best in a rubber match, uh, uh, all in, and confirm it, right? And then you watch, like, the Young Bucks try and, like, find three and a quarter stars with the Hardys to then say, no, we're the best. Lucha Bros, you're right. There's, yeah. there's I the know match. they've worked a lot with them. But, like, you know what you're going to get? Like, you have people squealing for the latest derivation of an apron uh, Canadian destroyer, whatever it is. Like... And it was just this. Instead, it was like they're doing the nice thing for their mates and like they're, they're, they're still idolise them. You could tell in the way the match played yeah, out, it was like yeah. they look at them as like I would if I was like in the presence of Jeff Jarrett and I get it and I get one and like just constantly roll out red carpets for the burba, burba, burba. But I don't think it was effective in building up the match and that's what we're here to do when the match is going to rule. Like the match kind of does build itself. So maybe that's why they just thought, yeah, we can do this. It's not, it was like a house show match. Yeah, it was a nice gesture, wasn't it? But like... I kind of, I kind of like, I kind of feel a nice gesture in my bones. That's for the four people in the ring, not for the X thousand in the building or the X million watching on, well, X hundred thousand watching on TV. Like it's just, it's, it's the Young Book versus the Hardys in twenty twenty three. It's anybody versus the Hardys in twenty twenty three. I didn't know how I felt about what came next, so I'm going to happily be led by you on this one because we see footage of Hikaru Shida winning the women's title in that brilliant main event last week, mm. and it's announced that the women's world title will. Uh, be defended in a four-way yeah. all-in, right? The participants will be the winner of Hikaru Shida versus Anna J later, yep. Soraya versus Sky Blue, which mm-hmm. goes down on Rampage this week, the Bonnie versus Britt Baker, that goes uh, down on Dynamite next week, and Tony Storm, who gets a bye. Uh, yeah, you get all my rematches in EW now, don't you? They quietly drop that rule in. Like automatic rematch clause, Excalibur set. Yeah. Right. I'm going to shock you here, Wilborn. Did you know um, that you can have, that there can be two conflicting opinions on a situation and both can be correct? Go on. I know. I was as shocked as you were. Saw this graphic come up. Uh, and then I saw, did I say like what I loved and what I hated? Because I really did in equal measures here, right? There's a four way at Wembley. They're not telling stories with this frigging division. So four people are going to get paid instead of two. Four people are going to get to appear on that biggest yeah. ever stage instead yeah. of two. Really good, right? Plus TBS title. Could be a, a singles match, three-way, four-way, God knows what. But like minimum, yeah, minimum six women, right? For this women's division, like, wow. I know crumbs, crumbs. I know crumbs. I'm not doing victory laps. I'm not celebrating crumbs. You shouldn't, but it's bad form. But, like, there you go, straight away. Like, six women minimum are going to be on this card in competitive matches for belts, right? Cool. Huge butt slash however coming here because I, what I did see on Twitter, what little I saw talks about this show was, like, huh, like complaining and then, like, straight away AEW fix it and now you guys are finding new things to complain about, right? There's some pretty sizable complaints here. 
they don't patronize me, right? Don't show clips of a bunch of four-ways because what's a four-way reflective of? The fact you didn't tell a single story. Yeah. And say, four-ways are the bedrock of AEW's women's division, right? Like, that means you've repeatedly not told stories for four years. A four-way was what happened all in when you didn't have a company with television titles. Yeah. That represents zero growth in five years. Jeez, yeah. I didn't think of it that way. Don't, but, like, don't... I was thinking of it as, like, what was the last four-way you did with a world title? How did that one work out for you in terms I, of... Well, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Don't lean on symmetry. This is not a romantic thing. No. This is a, hang on, it's been five years and four years of television and you've not worked out how to tell compelling single stories. Like, that's a massive mark against you. Yeah. Like, this, like, it's one thing, right? I understand, like, let's say that this division has been this absolutely celebrated, incredible thing, and then, like you say, like, five years later, like we go back to where it all began and the same four women appear in this match. Like, I know Tessa Blanchard, but like, let's just say they've all just gone on various journeys and then you pull them back together and you're like, can't believe five years on. We're five years more weathered. We're veterans now. We were were dreamers back then and now look at us and we're all coming together. That's a very different story. That's a very different tale. This is just, we're still doing in four ways because we've never been bothered our ass to tell stories, right? So I don't think that's a positive, right? And I also don't, I'm, I'm less bothered by the, logic gap in a number one contender, in a, a loser getting a bye and the champion having to fight away in. I sort of think, well, the match happened before the tournament, whatever. My issue is over the fact that Tony Khan's done one of his tournament booking things where the, the booking is really obvious. Yeah. It's Soraya versus um, Sky Blue. Sky Blue. Soraya will win. It's Wembley. It's Britt Baker versus the Bunny. Like, unless they're going for the massive, huge upset... Britt Baker's not even going to be at Wembley. Like, the outcasts are going to screw her. Like, that's, if that's the drama they're going for, why didn't they put, like, Ruby Soho in as the opponent? Yeah. Because then you've got an all-outcasts field against Sheeda, and that basically means Britt Baker's going to have to fight away at Wembley just to help. Yeah. If that's the story you want to tell. So I don't think they've done the most captivating job of a tournament bracket. I will let... Who knows? What if I'm wrong? What if Sky Blue pulls the massive upset, and then the outcasts have got a sort of, like fight to screw Britt Baker, and it's like Sheeda and Storm and two rookies, and wow, this could go either way. A, a then versus a... a present it's not going to happen, but yeah. No, I know. So is a, there's a lot to this. And on the same night that AEW runs its second consecutive women's main event, I think it's important to praise and criticise in equal measure. Yeah. This could, could be a huge leap forward for the vision. Like, you cannot understate putting two main events on back-to-back for a company that's never done it. Next week... Britt Baker's fighting the bunny. Put Sheeda in the main event again. And then you've had three main events in a row and two women's matches on the Dynamite. Like, steps, baby steps are great ones, but as you'll learn, they are simply baby steps. They are, no, <laughs> they are not yet walking, and you'll be thinking, go on, take one more, take one more, take one more, and then the baby falls flat on its face. And you're like, next time, right? We've seen this baby fall flat on its face a lot over the last four years. Like, keep taking steps, keep taking steps. I will praise and praise and praise, but it'll always be through this, like nervous mm. poor. it's like basically praising any WWE booking because <laughs> if like Mustache Mountain himself wants to chime in one week well your LA Knight push is dead mm. so it's kind of where we're at I think the criticism and the praise are both as valid as one another here 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I don't think it helped that you saw that. And you're like, okay, like you say, it's not really booking that, is it? It's just a tournament and I'll just tie them all together in a multi-person match. So that's one world champion. What's the other world champion doing? Oh, some of the best work he's done in AEW yeah. with this weird bromance with Adam Cole because that's what came next. We see um, footage of them celebrating their all-in announcement last week and then they've gone off to celebrate somewhere. MJF's in shorts. He's like, are we going to be uh, <laughs> skinny dipping with some rats? Adam Cole's like, no. <laughs> How many times have I got to say I love Britt Baker, for Christ's sake, <laughs> Maxwell? Um, no, Cole's taking him to a trampoline park instead, which is MJF's version of hell, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's having the best time, is Cole, but Maxwell is not. Uh, and he's like, this sucks, Adam. And he's like, well, they've got dodgeball. And he's like, oh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll give that a go. Uh, and he starts just <laughs> murdering these small children with a game of dodgeball whilst telling them, you're adopted, I slept with your mom, and bad news, kid, I'm your dad. <laughs> and Cole's like, mate, what are you doing? You can't do this, right? Mm -hmm. And this young girl walks up to them and says, what are you doing here? You bunch of nerds, why are you hanging out at a trampoline park as adults. And uh, Adam Cole sort of leans down and says, hello, little girl. You know, you really shouldn't say stuff like that. She just pulls her face and flips him off. <laughs> and Cole goes, okay, Max, you know what to do. One more. <laughs> and uh, the last thing we see is a delighted MJF firing a kill shot, let's say. Yeah. Um, cute and funny and useful because I think like these vignettes are hit and miss with the two of them and I think people definitely prefer the in arena stuff to the vignettes by and large but uh, there's absolutely you were kind of like foreshadowing what was going to happen here because you got two segments for Adam Cole and MJF ahead of them announcing they're going to have two matches at all yeah. so it's kind of like there's, there's they're still playing with both versions of them the, the, the banter bro chat show and nights out and the in-ring, this is pretty serious business for Bale, who's going to turn. So, like, they're, they're juggling both. I think you do need the 
um, like the let me up of the comedy yeah. in order to allow yourself to be pinned down again by the, the pressure and the tension. Um, those trampoline parks are no laughing matter. Like, I, the first time I ever took my kids to Jump 360 of Hartlepool, oh, yeah. England, a goated day, um, I didn't count on Charlie, my uh, oldest, just wanting Dad to come on. I thought, oh, this is great. I can sit and have a coffee and they yeah. can go jump in. And Charlie's like, no, I want you to come with. I thought, oh, God. And like, my wife wasn't with me, so it was just three. So I couldn't just push him into it. Otherwise, he'd be really sad while Josh, his brother, was just bouncing all over the place. Like, frankly, like my house is a trampoline park team. So I was glad that you had <laughs> things that you could actually spring back off. It's not the same without paintings to knock off the wall. <laughs> and I felt the shorts comment deep in my guts because I was wearing jeans that day. Oh, boy. And they were just, uh, they were glued to my legs when I left, right? And there was one point, well, and the, I, I want to say they were eight and six when I took them the first time. And there's a real indignity, right? You're getting heavy, sweat-soaked jeans and thinking, can I pull myself out of this foam pit? <laughs> because... Like, there's no dignity to reaching out for your, one of your young sons. Help me. Like, you, you can't do that. But just, you can't do that to somebody else's kid. And, like, you don't really want to do it to one of the staff oh. who are just like, come on, old man. Like, get yourself out of there. Like, but it was, you know what the worst thing was? Is that I was in the middle of the foam pit. Oh, God. Because I just had, like, you know, the, the pugil sticks gladiator type thing on, the, like, the balance beam. I just had a, like, very friendly thing with the kids, and they'd knocked me off, and I'd knocked them off, and it was all that sort of, like, hey, we've just had a really fun battle. And I thought, I'm actually going to win this one. And I swept the legs, sent them both into the foam. <laughs> kids pissing themselves. It's all good. And then I did the sort of celebratory. I probably did, like, a Jeff Hardy Swanson bomb, like, landed back first on the foam, trekked myself. Oh, wow. Hey, like, I mean, like, did a little front flip, I was celebrating, and I was like, can't get out. My jeans are really heavy and I'm in the middle. Where's the floor? Like, it's when you learn to swim. Where's the, where's the bottom of the pool? It was pretty stressful for a second there. I remember we went there. Not Maybe not that one, but we mm. went to one in the northeast. Uh, early days of moving up here. Is it the one in Benton by the Newcastle Fun Shack? It might be, yeah. Oh, no, mate. You'll, you'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and Anarchy, Anarchy Brewery's right near there. Wait till you're taking the kids to the fun shack on a really sunny day and people sitting, people outside drinking pints oh. in the middle of summer. It's cruel and unusual punishment. Oh my God. Yeah. But um, I remember we went there and I was like, it's a bit tight, this. Like, <laughs> we've paid. We've done like, you know, four adults or whatever. And, uh, yeah. And they've got, like you say, they've got the, the battling bit over there. They've just got the straight up trampolines. They've got dodgeball. They've got like a Tramp- zip line or trampoline whatever. basketball is gutted. Yeah. <laughs> say goodbye to your ACL. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Right, I thought a bit tight. We've paid all this money. An hour, an hour. That it. Ten minutes <laughs> later, I think that's it for me, love. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and then I come walk the next day. Oh, it's knackering, isn't it? It's absolutely knackering. Like it's uh, kids risky having your two title matches. Imagine, by the way, I saw someone tweet this. I can't remember who it was, or may, many people. What if uh, Cole or MGF get injured in that? Uh, we'll get to it mm. in that. Um, Match on the biting. Well, who's to say that's not one of the many, uh, worked, the many worked things they're planning in that tag match? Grip, anyway, gripping that, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Blackpool Combat Club, you know, fear death, death fears us. <laughs> I can't be asked. Right. I'm glad you said that. This was so good from John Moxley in 2021. Like, no, better. This was vital for my life from John Moxley in 2020. Yeah. The words have not changed, the tune has not changed, the setting. The audience has changed. Like, this is just John Moxley being John Moxley. And it is so strange watching this man deliver these John Moxley moments for matches, 
feuds and angles you couldn't care less about. I think his greatest hits. I, I I was flabbergasted. I felt the exact same thing. I was like, this man's a poet. That wh- where's he come up with this stuff from? Like, we don't fear death. Death feels as that eagles fly thing. I eventually used as a like stick to beat them with in the intro. Like, this is. Gorgeous. I, re- I really wanted to. I'll say this. I really wanted to chin Wheelie you when he was like, "Oh, no pack at Wembley." And Amazing. I was like, "Oh, that's quite good." Is Pat going to chin him at Wembley? We, is he going to get a receipt for that? Like a stunning bit of business for some of the most lamest, most boring drab crap on this entire show. So weird. Let's move on. FTW title match: Jack Perry versus Rob Van Dam. First of all, thoughts on Jack Perry's gear? Oh my god. Third person, um, including Jerry Lynn, to wear, like, Kid Cash did this in a feud with Jerry Lynn as well. Those yellow Jerry Lynn, iconic Jerry Lynn tights. Uh, Hook's going to win this back, but Jack Perry's starting to get this. Yes. I think. he wasn't. I wasn't too sure early on. Van Damme's giving him his best night in this role. Yeah, he uh, attacks during RVD's intro. RVD fights back, does that leg trap roll up, and you think, oh, my God, the title's going to change hands straight away. Yeah. Just gets a two, though. Perry retreats, wants a handshake. RVD's like, I'm not an idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. He uh, goes to hit Rolling Thunder, but Ber- Perry bails to the outside. Uh, so RVD drapes him over the barricade and nails him with a spinning leg drop off the apron. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This, right. Any I, concerns went up in smoke there for me. I uh, Very appropriate. Yeah. The uh, the glee I felt. Still doing it. I can't do it. He's better. Is that what Van Damme's whole gimmick is? I just thought he was really chilled out. Um that moment was as electrifying for me as when as hearing walk last week. Yeah. Because they tease Rolling Thunder without delivering it. And then later in the match, he teases the five star frog splash and it gets cut off. And you're like, Oh, I've really enjoyed this, but like how much can Van Damme really give you? And then the like leap inside kick to the guardrail. Oh, I'll give you everything. He hit him with the skateboard. I haven't seen that move in friggin' years. The, yeah. the, the running chair assisted Van Damminator. This was like nineteen ninety eight called and it wanted its Mr. Monday night back on a Wednesday. This was gripping at times. Really good stuff. We come back from the break. Uh, Jack Perry's trying to hit a rolling thunder of his own. Uh, a chair gets stuck in the corner. Yeah. Uh, there's a table set up on the floor. RVD hits a huge monkey flip and a running drop kick with a chair in the corner, like you mentioned. Uh, RVD hits rolling thunder, but Perry avoids the split-legged moonsault. Uh, he ducks a Van Daminator as well. Perry just chucks a chair and it nails Bryce. Amazing. Like, amazing bump to take. Bryce flung himself beautifully, arms flailing, and the chair getting caught in the ropes. Oh, man. Yeah, like yeah. the way it just hung there. So good. Lovely. So Perry cuts RVD off. He gets launched off the top in the corner, though, through a table on the outside. RVD rolls him back in, hits the five-star frog splash. He's down for a 10-count, yeah. effectively. But there's no ref. Inslides referee. RVD just gets two, uh, and that allows Perry to recover. Low-blow RVD. Send him into the chair that, as I said, was wedged in the corner. And schoolboy him for the one, two, three. Cheating little bastard. I love him. Brilliant. This was a triumph, man. A total triumph. Um... You've got a, truthfully, like, uh, this was a brilliant night for Jack Perry. His best, his best yet as a heel. But you absolutely have to isolate the majority of the praise to Rob Van Dam here. Yeah. Like, this was Jack Perry's night to finally kind of, like, test his metal as a villain. But this was Rob Van Dam's night to test his metal full stop. He looked in fantastic shape. He was getting about the ring twice. This was like the 2X version of him in Impact. Yeah. And I think that's where the measured expectations were. And I don't think he was dogging it in Impact. I think he was... Just really up for the cup here. Like, this was, like, nothing anyone... Uh, 52, I think he is. Yeah. Like, betraying his right. birth certificate, man. Like, he just... This was, like, energy-wise, this was, for me, on a par with his fairly unremarkable... Do you remember his, like, weird 2013 WWE return? 
where he yes. was like, where he took like Alberto Del Rio's manager off him and like. Do you know, like, not a lot was worked, going on. Worked uh, Ambrose at SummerSlam. He was in a list I did recently. Yeah, like just stuff you would completely forget. This was at a bare minimum on that level. Love the teasing out with the big moves, making you think you couldn't do them and then would do them. Um, the split-leg moonsault were, felt both like a botch and a part of the story. Yeah. Because he normally does that like lovely fluid thing, but he's 52. <laughs> and he kind of hit those ropes and went, oh, and you're like, oh, mate. Like, it's like, I'm 38 and I feel that, pal. You know, like the... Also, literally last November, but it was just like <laughs> Jungle Boy can capitalize because he's younger and he's quicker. And then, like, the referee had nothing she could do. Like, Aubrey couldn't do anything about the low blow because it's FTW rules. Yeah. Taz was great in the call again. That man is pissed off watching this desecration <laughs> of, his, of a prize that he created. Like, uh, stopping just short of home run, I really need to speak to Paul Heyman to get my baseball analogies in place. But this was absolutely as good as it could have been. Yeah, really, really good this. bit of business, this. Uh, Death Triangle cut a promo. Uh, they're going to show why they're the best in the world, um, and uh, you know they're going to they're going to kick their ass for what they did to Pack basically. Uh, and then it was time for the world champion and the number one contender, uh, MJF and Adam Cole come down. MJF welcomes fans of the Midwest uh, and says that there was previous footage of me saying it's mid. That's been heavily doctored. It's AI. It's in fact my favorite place in the entire US. <laughs> Uh, Time for story time with Adam Cole, baby. Uh, He talks about making history at All In, uh, and he's going to beat MJF for the world title. Is that, sorry, is this after the bit where MJF is like, and if I'm lying, God, I know you're up there. Yes, I forgot to mention that. And he says, like, he says, God, strike me down, God. And both of them are selling that it might actually happen, don't they? (laughs) So, yeah, Cole's like, we're going to fight it all in, and I'm going to win the title. And MJF completely reads this wrong and goes, oh, promo battle, is it? And Cole's like, nope, because I didn't hear you. Promo battle, is it? (laughs) You're so skinny and white. If this was the 80s, Hogan would have snored you. He's like, not doing this. Ah, you noodle arm, you bobblehead, you broken down squat. Cole's like, that's why you can't speak properly. Cole's like, I didn't want a promo battle, Max. Ah, misread that one. I love that he's basically got that. It's like a woody pull string from Toy Story. He's got that in his locker at any given moment. You got it. No, I don't want that. (laughs) Cole says, look, I know everyone wanted us to win the AEW tag titles, but how about we win a different set of tag titles, the Ring of Honor tag titles, which I've spoken about before on this podcast that they that was the direction they could have gone in. Mm-hmm. And I sort of simultaneously poo-pooed it. It's like, well, it's a bit, it's a bit. Seth Rollins is world champion. World heavyweight champion, that is. Yeah. But I thought Cole did a great job of yeah. selling this um, as a thing because he, he talks about owing his career to Ring of Honor. Um he doesn't do the Miz reading out his Wikipedia page. It's very different. He runs through his, his resume in Ring of Honor, winning the world title, winning all these different things, but never winning the tag titles. It's a shameless thing, isn't it? There's a one gap. Yeah. Um, they've been held like the great teams, like the Kings of Wrestling, Red Dragon, and of course, the Briscoe Brothers. Um, and why don't we, on the same night we're fighting in the main event for the world title, on zero hour, that's it, not the buy-in, I always forget what it's called, yeah. why don't we challenge for the Ring of Honor tag titles uh, and heading to the main event, draped in even more gold. Uh, and MJF says, you sick pervert. <laughs> you want to fight, wrestle twice in one night? Well, since you're my brochacho, uh, and I'm a sucker for a cheap pop, and he shouts out the town, somewhere in Ohio, weren't they? Yeah. Like that. Uh, I am the fan scumbag at the end of the day. Let's challenge Aussie Open for the Ring of Honor tag titles. Uh, at the zero hour of All In. I thought, great, Aussie Open are working this show as mm-hmm. well. They're going to come out in a second. It's going to be really awkward. But no, instead, 
who comes out, but grumpy Roderick Strong. No, I'm not happy about this. Absolutely, you must be honestly like you must be tortured by this character because him making a catchphrase out of your name, Adam, Adam, <laughs> Adam. Like, it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. This saw a great tweet. I think it was Sean Rossap who tweeted this, and it's not. We're not going to bury it or bury the company or anything like that because I'm absolutely fine with this happening. But what is the kayfabe reason that they fly neck braced Roderick Strong out <laughs> to every show? What are they doing? What's the kayfabe reason Kenny Omega had a suitcase on this dynamite? Just, uh, just moving <laughs> out. He's walking around. Uh, so, he's, so Alex Marvez cannot get a scoop. He's walking from worst town. scooper ever. By walking the way. from town to town. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, Roderick, <laughs> bloody grumpy me. <laughs> what are you doing to fight for Ring of Honor tag titles with him? He said he's your best bloody friend. MGF, of course, or says, "All right, Roddy, the simp strong." <laughs> I'm tired of getting these weirdo, jealous ex-girlfriend vibes. Why don't you do just what every generic white person does in this situation? Drive home, run up the stairs, crawl into your bed, cry into your Hello Kitty pillow, put your headphones on, listen to Taylor Swift, and shake it off, you bland bitch. Wow. Strong. I'm not a bloody bland bitch. I'm a grumpy runner. It's strong. <laughs> Crowd chant, shake it off. And he says, Adam. You're going to let him talk to me like that? The kingdom were bloody right about you. Out come Matt Taven and Mike Bennett just sticking their claws in a little bit more. They hug him and they lead him off. MJF's like, screw that guy, eh, Adam? You don't need him. And Cole is pissed off. Yeah, shoves MJF. Says, what's your problem? I can be friends with both of you. Do you you not get this? Pushes him. You think, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, what's about to happen here? But Cole calms down. Max calms down. Cole says, like, I've overreacted. Crowd chance to hug it out. Cole apologizes. MJF hugs him. It's all cool. Says, go and check on your boy. Cole leaves the ring. MJF applauds and stands tall with the title. But maybe all isn't as, as well as it was. <sighs> Who's zooming who here? This is yeah. this is the polar opposite of the, uh, in inverted commas, suspense around Chris Jericho's yes. decision. The polar opposite. So many questions being asked, so few answers available, but you are going to tune in to try and get them. You're going to buy the pay-per-view to get them. Crucially, and just talking about the boring business rationale, you're going to get in your seat nice and early at Wembley Stadium so that when the show opens proper, it's going to be full and it's not going to have that half-empty WrestleMania vibe. Really smart, because whenever, when, that's not the word whenever, when, comma, ever, are these zero-hour cards good? If anything, you just resent that, like, four more matches have been added to an already stacked card, aren't you? It's like, yeah, what? Like, how... Why have we suddenly got like the Ring of Honor six man belts on the line? Like, uh, there's already twelve matches, Tony. Like, this is must see. This is absolutely now the yeah. match is going to bang. But like, let's be honest. Like, the storyline ramifications, not just bigger picture, literally for that night, are going to be huge. You mentioned before about one of them pulling up with an injury potentially. Well, like tough tits, you work in the main event of Wembley. Strap it up, pal. But like, what if that's the story? Yeah. On the night, what if that is the storyline? Here's another story. MJF lost against FTR. What if he loses against uh, Aussie, Open. Aussie Open? And then Adam Cole is left going, that's two now. And then there's your, your new tension for the main yeah. event. That already is loaded with tension and drama and all that sort of thing. There's your, your two-time loser, mate. Like, actually, I know this, I'm, like, for all we know, Adam Cole's hatching a big plan. But he wants the belts, ostensibly. Every part of that match, if Aussie Open puts... MJF, let's say, yeah. in a submission hold, and he's probably going to make the ropes. Yeah, but Adam Cole could just jump in and stop it, but he maybe hesitates slightly. Both ways. Yeah, they are best friends, and on the night, literal opponents. There is the equal 
and matching motivation to do both. You could even do the spot, the old Batista Triple H Elimination Chamber bit, where, like, couldn't you have saved him there? You could do that, have them both watch the replay on air during All In and have, like, Sam Jeff being like, I know I should have saved you, but, like, you know, I want you weaker because I want to win the match. It's all, up, it's all up front. Yeah. Adam Cole said, looking forward to the match. I'm going to beat you for the belt. <laughs> You're not. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 they're not doing the invisible camera stuff. It's all out front. They are simultaneously being friends and opponents. And they're just, the balance of this is magnificent. Like, how they're walking the tightrope is so impressive. Roderick Strong, right? The wild card. The wild card here. Like, Roderick Strong, like a man that is being pushed to like the point of embarrassment, which is going to lead to anger. He's now got himself aligned with a stable. So those three men could beat up Adam Cole if this isn't a plan, could beat up MJF if it is. Yeah. Right? Permutations out the ass. Like it's just that um like the spider diagram, but like there's more than eight legs, six legs, eight legs, six legs. There's just legs everywhere. <laughs> and you cannot work out which way it's gonna go. I how can you not love this? And like it's to go back to the thing at the start of the podcast, like, subjectively, I thought this dynamite was better than last week's. We're all entitled to opinions, but opinions like arseholes. Everybody's got one. What every storyline hasn't got is objective metrics that it's succeeding. It's the hottest thing in the company. It's probably the most creative thing they've done all year. I think it's the best storyline AEW we've done all year, and there used to be a time. That's why this company can be better, because you used to be able to find, like, no, I think it was this one. No, I think it was this one, and have maybe five. I think this is the runaway leader for the best AEW storyline of 2023. I don't think anything yeah. even runs it close. And it, it doesn't feel like they've just tacked on an extra thing by putting this match on. Like, oh, I haven't really got a lot that's hot right now, so let's just mm. have them work twice. No, like you say, big picture style, it's it blends it blends in nicely for the show. It's not just like, well, why are they fighting for these random tag titles whilst also fighting each other? Are they, they, like you say, the intrigue, the possibilities are endless with this. I love it. I think it's a, a genius decision. What if they win the tag belts? And then that kind of like lets you know, well, like they win the tag belts. And I'm because like, I've, I've done it. I've won the belts. But the plan was for one of them to turn that night. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to shake hands and hug after this world title match because now we've got these new tag belts. And that's that like it turns out later on when we're reviewing, when we're doing the old Bully Ray Aces and Aces review of the grand plan. It's like, I was going to stab me in the back that night, and then we won the frigging belts. <laughs> so I couldn't do it until we like we lost them. And then the main event of Ring of Honor pay-per-view was tag champions or something, and Aussie Open win the belts back. Or so, like, there are a million ways this can go, and nobody can quite nail it. And just as a, as a pure business thing, I don't really like talking about this because I don't care about it. It's not my area of expertise. My area of expertise usually is, um, <laughs> well, if it was summed up in a noise. <laughs> um... But like, I keep calling it the buy-in. Zero hour yeah. is there to do what? Sell you on the pay-per-view. Uh -huh. What better, win or lose, what better way to say, do you want to see these two again later on in this 80,000, 90,000 stadium, mm -hmm. whatever it is, fighting each other along with Sting and the, one of the, possibly the greatest tag match ever? Like, is there a, it's likely, isn't it, that this ends up just going on YouTube? Yeah. Live yeah. on YouTube. Like, arses in seats. At Wembley, eyes on the product on the night of the biggest show ever, last minute impulse buys, all that sort of stuff. It's good business, let alone like how interesting it is for the story. It's great business. Yeah. It's bold. Like it's really bold business. You're gonna sacrifice the first pops of Adam Cole and MJF before the pay-per-view proper has started. Yeah. That's how certain they are that this is gonna succeed because there's there's always that thing, isn't there? Like, oh, like once they've heard the music once, it's never gonna be quite the same the second time around. And Take that, Chris Jericho, because MJF and Adam Cole get the opening match pops and the main event ones. Yeah. 
I'm just also my anxiety for you guys is lessened somewhat now because I always have the panic whenever we go and cover these big shows that we're going to be so busy filming all the content around it that sometimes, I mean, there's been times, you you and I have been there, where we've been like rushing to the stadium going, yeah, if this Uber doesn't come soon, we're going to miss the opening of WrestleMania or whatever. And being be. on foot through the Dallas Heat, worried we were going to miss the start of standing delivery. Uh, I don't think I'm overstating this. It would have ruined WrestleMania weekend if we missed yeah, the opening yeah, yeah. five seconds of standing delivery. <laughs> so, you nearly missed a Cameron Grimes promo. Yeah. yeah. But it means you'll definitely be there now. Out of the way, Simon Miller just shoving people out of the way. <laughs> Excuse me. We're going to jump on his back rather than get in the tube. Uh, and then it was time for the Lucha Bros versus the BCC. Skip. Phoenix and Penta wipe out Mox and Claudio uh, dives. And I think that's Moxie pretty much immediately got busted open again. Yeah. Um, Phoenix rolling car. Penta's top rope double stomp. That gets a two. Made in Japan also gets a two on Claudio. But Moxie comes in and cleans house. Everything breaks down. Uh, there's a belt shot from Wheeler Uta in there. A gorilla press into Moxie's cutter for two. Uh, and then we go to a break. When we come back, Penta... Sorry. Phoenix gets hit with a spike pile driver. And Taz is like, I remember that one. That broke my neck. The words you were saying should be generating like squeals from me, yeah. let alone actually watching them happen while you just sit there with a like with your face resembling that emoji where it's just a straight line. Yeah. Yeah, this is the thing, like Phoenix's counter for the doomsday device was awesome. Yeah, of course it was. But I was just a bit indifferent, I think is the best way of putting it. Phoenix gets sorry, Penta gets the hot tag, runs wild. Um Phoenix comes back in, the match breaks down. Um and uh, Phoenix kips up into a huge super kick. There's a everyone's down at this point. Uh, Phoenix and Claudio get into it. Uh, a comeback spin kick from Phoenix. Penta comes off the top, but he gets uppercut out of midair. Oh my god! Still some great spots in mm-hmm. here. Um, then right in front of the ref, Yuta grabs Phoenix. Okay. Um, <laughs> Alex Abrahantis goes after him. Yuta gets hit with a moon salt from Phoenix. Penta goes for Fear Factor, but as he goes for that, Claudio rips the mask off. That allows Moxley to get a roll-up, grabs the tights. Penta's too bothered about obviously covering his face. It doesn't matter. One, two, three. Post-match, they beat up. They keep beating him up. Claudio attacks Ray on the outside. Uter and John Moxley are putting the boots to Penta. Claudio, great bit of patter, puts his mask on and beats down everyone. Does the zero and just flips everyone off. Uh, and Moxie screams that zero respect means this happens. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slightly inflate an old favourite here. This was impossibly good wrestling just happening in front of me. Like, this is probably the best exhibition of good wrestling just happening in front of me. Yeah. I couldn't feel a thing for it knowing full well that it was pretty great in places. Like, cannot fault the execution. Can fault the execution of the production, because I actually didn't see the mask getting pulled until the replay. No, me too. Like, I saw John Moxley pulling the tights, and I thought, ah, they've cheated to win. Yeah. And it wasn't until the replay where I saw the masks. That was, like, a, a bit of a flub, I suppose. Cesaro, sorry, Claudio wearing the mask is good patter. <laughs> but, uh, just, is this not a bit... Is it like it was lightweight last week and it felt lightweight this week. What are we doing here with the Blackpool? Combat? John Moxley doing it all in. I just, it's like, is it Orange Cassidy in a singles? Because that's suddenly starting to feel very all outy because I've got a nagging suspicion that we're going to get, um, well, had Pac been fit, we would have been getting a three way th- trios match with best friends, Lucha Brothers, sorry, Death Triangle and BCC. He's out. They've beaten both teams. So that feels dead if it even is. The issue now, 
like, it's one thing for BCC not to necessarily have loads going on. Actually, no, is it one thing? Because they've just won Blood and Guts. Yes. Like, they just lost Blood and Guts. Sorry, the biggest series of summer, they've just lost Blood and Guts, and, like, they're supposed to be in a big rebound exactly, period. Exactly, yeah. And then, like, they're winning all the time as if Blood and Guts... They're doing the thing where it's like... WWE, it's a bit like... There's an element of John Cena book in here, isn't there? Rather than rebounding and working back through the ranks, they're just back to kicking ass, and it's like, oh, well, yeah, it was some elite short Blood and Guts. Like, uh, <laughs> whatever. Like, but it's not in a way that's, like, working them into a captivating angle. The John Moxley thing is the most pronounced thing because it's John Moxley, John Moxley, John Moxley, John Moxley. That's John Moxley at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? I can't, I, they can't be the boring combat club. Not these. <laughs> they cannot. Like, you know what this stuff is at the moment? Like, it's weak as piss. <laughs> and he left. Kenny Omega's walking backstage. Alex Marvez, a.k.a. the Scoopster, yep. goes up to him. What's going on? You see about the Young Bucks challenging FTR at All In. He says, well, next week I'm going to sit down with Jim Ross. I'll discuss my future. Don Callis, Takeshita, and my plans for All In. Marvez is like, how about a scoop? And Kenny Omega's like, no. Really funny. Like, <laughs> this made my skin tingle. Like, this is what I was complaining about last week. It wasn't just match graphics. It was direction. It yes. was a feeling that these people, as like CM Punk kind of screamed into a microphone, these people should freaking care. Like that stayed, that sign hanging up in the building isn't your regular common or garden pay-per-view one. It's not frigging, no offense to these people. It's not frigging like full gear in Minneapolis or revolution in Florida. It's fucking Wembley Stadium <laughs> and potentially the biggest wrestling show this company will ever do. Yeah. Right? If they... If it's not the biggest one they ever do, if we've learned nothing from WrestleMania 3 and SummerSlam 1992, it's the biggest one they're going to do for a minimum of half a decade. Yeah. Right? WWE went from Wembley, uh, sorry, WrestleMania 3 to WrestleMania 6 at the Sky Dome to SummerSlam 92 at Wembley to nothing because the industry died on its ass to putting free tickets in uh, the Alamo Dome for the Rumble 97 to nothing until X7 Atchard era zero stadiums and the business was booming right these things are not just yeah. like do we have normalised stadiums because there's one at minimum of one a year and they're knocking out quite a lot now but when you're AEW this could be as big as it gets yeah. for a minimum of half a decade and like Kenny Omega Kenny friggin Omega Kenny by God Omega isn't even like Showing an interest, and now he is, and now I'm on the hook, and it's Jim fucking Ross. It's just business. Like we we gently rib Jim Ross sometimes, but somebody says we're sitting down with Jim Ross, and you are told to care, yeah. strapping because this is big boys wrestling. You know what this was? This was fucking collision booking. <laughs> Suddenly, like it got serious. Suddenly, it's like yes, sit me down and plug my cock into this telly because the cleaner is speaking, and I should listen. And that's what I got out of this. And I'm fantasy booking, and I'm, like, looking for things. And we in the office this week, have we not, had several conversations. What's Hangman Page doing? Yeah. And now I'm like, is he doing this, right? Are Kenny and Page going to fight to catch the plus one? Is Kenny going to ask Hangman Page for a gentleman's full gear rematch? Like, I was corrupted by Callis when we fought in full gear, and, I, and you saw the surgeries I had. I, like, I had the belt, but I wasn't feeling much like a champion. I'm fully fit. Let's do it on the stage that is the bigger. The stage that we built... Five years ago, six years ago, all in. Let's do it on the stage we deserve with a handshake. You know, let's do, let's have this, like, we're friends, but let's be opponents. Let's show them what we got, Hanger. And then that, like, sends Kenny either weakened or as the best version of himself, because he'll probably win, into the Takeshita match at All Out. Oh, like, and I'm saying all this, you might just say, 
oh yeah, I was feeding with Takeshita, can we have that match? And then it's like, well, Omega, yeah, it's Omega versus Takeshita. The singles match is going to rule, but is it just me or does it feel like there's a bit more at play here? Yeah, guitar shot, Jeff Jarrett, baby. Well, I don't want to, I don't, I don't dream. <laughs> yeah, really excited. We'll speculate more on this. If I'm here uh, next week on the Dynamite <laughs> That's why I'm preview. doing this now, yeah. preemptively, in case you're not. But, like, this sold me more than a match graphic on next week's Dynamite. I'm in. Like, who's Kenny Omega fighting at frigging Wembley Stadium? Yeah. Massive. Uh, really enjoy what came next as well. Not just Prince Nana's. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Patter on the entrance. But the whole of the Mogul Embassy come down. Uh Swerve Stokes talks about how he, uh, A.R. Fox and Prince <laughs> Nana, sorry, murdered Buddy, I'm sorry, murdered Nick Wayne at the Buddy Wayne Academy. Before Swerve started speaking, Prince Nana was like, right, everybody, I just want to, and then he stopped himself to be like, shut up, you, and then he picks himself back up and says, first thing I want to say is everybody needs to shut up. <laughs> He's the best. He's class. Hugely over in the water culture office, Prince Nana, as he has been for a long old time. Uh, whose house is it? Swerve's house, of course. Uh, A.R. Fox immediately calls out Darby Allen. Uh, and here he comes. Darby says, tell everyone the true story. You know, I tried to help you, but you never answered my calls. You never needed or wanted my help in reality. You've just sort of made this story up effectively. And then you got to AW by yourself, which is better, if yeah. anything. Um, and yeah, now you're upset that I didn't put a word in for you, but I did for a 16-year-old Nick Wayne, let's not forget. Not 16 now, it was at the time, you know. Um, you've got new friends, I see. Look at the friends. Look at AR Fox's new friends. Oh, my God. Can we just say that? We'll stop right there for a second because, obviously, the, the fun's about to occur. The villains are about to meet the heroes. This company-long obsession with giving Swerve a bunch of heaters, right, looked like it was going to be the death of his push, didn't it? Yeah. Why are we putting this winner with such losers? They've nailed it at the last Found possible it. second. What a visual of this group, by the way. Like, the muscle behind the mouth. There's no... Now. There's no weakness there is there not a one like i wish we'd not had to go on this arduous journey to get there but it turns out the destination was worth the drive because yeah. what a group mogul embassy i would swerve at the front it's perfect so yeah he says you've got some new friends but i've got some friends too lights go down lights come back up of course sting is back yeah. he uh takes out the gates of agony takes out brian cage with a bat ar fox bails and i showed you this <laughs> Go and watch this again. Holy goddamn. AR Fox bails. He runs through the crowd. Darby Allen goes, I'm going after him, obviously. Mm. He goes after him and he's, he's trying to jump the apron. I think security's trying to go with him to, you know, make sure no one tries to interfere. <laughs> and he nails Darby Allen in the face with a kick. It's completely accidental. Honestly, it's like it's a Van Damme esque leap inside so kick. Good. Perpetual motion, leg midair. Bang! Like I don't know whether like because Darby Allen's like out the way as he runs past him like get out of the way I need yeah. to leap over this barrier and he's as he <laughs> wow <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to work out where Darby was because obviously he's got his back to the camera and I'm trying to work out if it's like his traditional face paint side or not because that side of his face he's gonna look like Shayna Baszler after the MMA rules <laughs> match like there's no way he's not got a minimum of a bruise from taking a full like size twelve work boot in his head oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, other than that, uh, Sting's in the ring with Swerve. <laughs> Points the all-in sign with his bat, of course. Strickland gets pulled out of there by Nana. Uh, Alan, Sting, stand tall. Not only is it Sting and Alan versus Strickland and Fox, it's a coffin match. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Electrifying. Said it last week. Such a horrible act of villainy requires, like, consequences to your actions, and now they've come face-to-face -face with the heroes, and we're going to get this perfect good guys versus bad guys, and the bad guys are going to be stuffed in coffins in the stadium. Yeah. I, uh, I 
can't wait to be there in person for that specifically stupid match and stipulation. Um, but I've got to shout out uh, Bernard the Dead Luchador, um, at Dead Bernard on Twitter, who reached out to us this morning to uh, say, nice to see AEW pay respect to the biggest match of SummerSlam 1992, Undertaker versus Kamala, by having a coffin <laughs> match all in. He says, maybe a big game of bones first, or will a dead man tape his face and see the gorilla? <laughs> so, you know, don't say that AEW not paying respect to their elders. Because <laughs> uh, somewhere, uh, old dead man are probably on a beach punching a shark and smiling, looking down at these guys. <laughs> I don't need a fight sting. I got other people to do that for me. Or maybe he's going to join the Mogul Embassy. Hey, let's not rule it out. Now we're getting back to like saddling swerve with <laughs> losers. Is he having his match with Keith Lee? Oh, that's gone. That's dead, isn't it? Yeah, it's not, I mean. But I'm fine with this as a... This, this match is brilliant. This match is brilliant. Um, I can't decide if I want, like, some Mughal Embassy, of course, going to be there, and they're just frightening. I, I think I really want, like, 18-year-old Nick Wayne to try and fight him off by himself. Like, oh, like yeah. what, a, what a sort of the bravery on that kid to take them on. Maybe you can get some uh, Oliver-esque street urchins. <laughs> <laughs> off Wembley Way. Dar behind. Excuse me, sir. I want some more. <laughs> but that's you know that's. I know exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm spelling it out. Who, who would that be related to? Uh, that would be uh, like a certain Mr. Tommy Dreamer. You probably haven't heard of him. Um, he wrestled for a little known company straight out of Philadelphia called EC Fucking W. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So check out his podcast. Don't. <laughs> Main event time, Anna Jay challenging Hikaru Shida for the AW Women's title. Women main event in two weeks in a row? Yeah. We'll say that. Again. Doesn't mean ladies' nights over. Measure your praise of the crumbs you're being served, but be hopeful that there's a full loaf to follow. Yeah, women main event in uh, AW Dynamite, Asterix, with 12 minutes left on the clock. Well, not always a problem. No, but not necessarily. A, but a pretty massive one when it is. Yeah. And we'll get to it. So jumping knee staggers Jay earlier on, but she kicks Sheeta to the floor, and of course there's Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Ange to get in her face and trash talk her. She throws Sheeta back inside for two, and we go to a break. This was the problem with the match that was he was hampered as well by commercial interruptions. Mm. Uh, we come back. Jay rolls to the aprons. Sheeta tries to super suplex her back in, but Jay hits a nice spin kick instead. Um, uh, Sheeta comes back, hits a pump kick as they're fighting on the apron, gets that chair out from under the ring, goes to do her spot where she launches herself off the chair, but Parker jumps in front. Uh, that distraction allows Anna Jay to send Sheeta into the steps. Jay gets a two count, puts her in the Queen Slayer. How's she going to get out of it? Locks in. Sheeta manages to get out of it, though, by climbing to the second rope through the uh, on the turnbuckles and just jumping backwards, yeah. which is a hell of a way of, of risking it all to try and break it. Um, it breaks the hold. Sheeta gets her in the Falcon Arrow. Jay kicks out. Sheeta hits the Katana knee. One, two. Cool Hand Ange slides in to, I don't know, interfere, revive, encourage. I don't know what the spot was meant to be. Regardless, the ref just continues the count, counts the three. Kara Sheeta retains. It, it, yeah, it was. it's not necessarily their fault either, this finish. It was the time constraints put on it that really hampered this. Yeah, we should... Point out that this is total speculation on our part. Yes. But, you know, you watch a lot of wrestling and sometimes you see things and those things end up being the case. So I, I didn't think Smash was very good, mm -hmm. right? And I think that 
regardless of what played out, and we'll talk about that, like, would we really be thinking this was all that memorable or all that exciting or anywhere near on a patch of like Sheeta winning the belt last week? No. Now, of course, Anna Jay and Tony Storm have got various different, very different experience levels, so that's going to be the case. But yeah, it's a shame because you want Sheeta's big title. Yeah. First title defense to be a good one, another main event slot. The last thing you want is for this to be some sort of like, well, we gave you a go. Back you go, and we yeah. don't see Sheeta till all in or something like that. I don't think that's going to be the case, but no. just to put that to one side, it wasn't brilliant, but yeah, it kind of the finish is a real problem here. Like, based on the clues we had in front of us, which were Sheeta basically goes to the floor, holds up the belt, and we're out. We're out of time. Uh, 2.0 have kind of whisked Anna Jay away. She's already off camera, and that's it. The copyright coming up. They were out of time anyway. Yes. They were not going to hit the time. Um, it didn't look like the uh, Cool Hand Ange was aware that his interference wasn't supposed to work. Yeah. The three got counted. The referee looked like he was kept looking back. Was like, is that definitely the three? Is that definitely the three? Which makes you wonder, as a viewer, is he looking for like a time cue off yeah. the timekeeper? Yeah. Is he waiting to hear something in his ear? Get to the finish, get to the finish. And what's sad about this is if time was cut, and you sense it was, it looked, again, never taking a bump, all speculation, it looked as if they weren't told it was going to be cut, until it was cut-cut. Yeah. It's not like they were told five minutes in, Eej, now we haven't got as much as we thought. Maybe get rid of a middle portion and yeah, we can do yeah, the finishing. Yeah. Because this didn't look like a finishing sequence. No. This looked like they were only just building up to the finishing sequence, but it was like, no, hard cut. If they'd have been told at the two, three-minute mark, sorry, you've lost five minutes, then at least like Shida, like as the more experienced wrestler in the match can go, right, we need to lift this, we need to lift this, and then we can build to the finish that way instead. But they didn't get that. They weren't afforded the privilege of it. It just looked like a bunch of unfortunate TV miscues impacting the match. And to your point earlier on, there was plenty of fat that could have been trimmed on this dynamite to give them, like, give them the time they need. Like accidents happen, but doesn't the main event typically take precedence yes. over these sorts of things? I don't know. A real shame. A real yeah. shame. Truthfully, uh, if if I'm AEW, I'll put Shida in the main event next week, and I do it stubbornly to make a point that like we are trying, like. Again, that would be two women's matches. That would be three main events in a row. You haven't told the story with a title, but at least you can put some prestige on it by being this consistent main event concern. MJF and Cole do plenty with their time. Like, prove all of us whinging bastards wrong and, sh <laughs> and show that you're trying to do what's right because this did sort of fall away by the end. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite on the <laughs> at What Culture WWE. Watch they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from uh, for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Hamflet will be back tomorrow to preview AEW Collision and all the other mad wrestling going on over the weekend. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite Review. My thanks to Michael Hamflet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.